do that. Oh, yeah. Here we go, people. I gotta fix my volume. Oh, there we go. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. I did it. It's totally local. After dark, where all your mysterious questions get answered in the witching hours to come. Totally local. Obviously, you know, it's all about Mammoth and Ocean County. It's totally local because I love this area because, I don't know, maybe it's the brine, the salty air. I have no idea. Um, I have some wonderful, wonderful guests with me this evening. Uh, longtime friend, uh, Ming Chen, thank you so much for joining. And uh, your, your cohort, your, your, uh, your confidant, uh, Michael Zapsick, is with us. Uh, What's up, Andrew? How's it going? Doing swell, thank right. you. Good, good, good. Uh, you guys are hunkering down. I like that. I like that. Now, uh, Ming, you were just talking about a, a Blade Runner prop gun. Yeah, if uh, I mean we're all we're all geeks here. Yeah, yeah. We're all fans of sci-fi. I think so. I, I, uh, one of the pinnacles of the sci-fi movie universe, and the, one of the pinnacles of any sci-fi, is the uh, the Ridley Scott Harrison Ford Blade Runner movie that came out in 1982, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And um, so we, uh, and one of the most iconic sci-fi weapons is the Blade Runner gun, the, the Richard Deckard gun from Blade Runner. And uh, and I kind of have a connection with this. Um, many, many years ago, Kevin decided he wanted to sell all the props uh, from his movies. He he had come to some kind of decision. He wasn't going to make movies anymore. And he wanted to kind of wipe the sake clean. Wanted to sell every prop that he owned. <laughs> and um, that the responsibility for getting rid of these props in a the most efficient manner and uh, and to get the most uh, the most value out of them was uh fell to me so what i did was i gathered uh everything costumes props uh you know bong saber sabers from james and bob strike back uh you know these are iconic screen worn costumes and we took them to a place called profiles in history uh the auction house located in the same town that will smith lives in where they deal specifically in hollywood screen use props Mm -hmm. so loaded them all into a truck, took them to their place. And they had a guy who was going to photograph each one of them, like on a mannequin or with proper lighting, list them up in a, in a thick book. And then there was going to be this huge auction that they schedule, I think like six times a year. And so I got to their place and inside glass cases where like there was a highball glass signed by the rat pack. There was a prescription bottle that had, um, Marilyn Monroe's uh, like real name on it. What I can't remember her real name, but whatever. Norma, Norma Jean. Norma Jean, Norma Jean yeah. Biden, uh, Norma Jean. And then there was an endoskeleton, full size endoskeleton from Terminator Two. Nice. These were like iconic props. And I'm looking around and I see laying there. There's they had the Deckard gun, the, the the actual Deckard gun from Blade Runner. And I'm like, wow, that's that. This is like seeing a lightsaber in person. This is like you know, this is a pretty iconic weapon. I'm like, well, what do you think this is going to go for? They're like, oh, yeah, be careful. You know, don't touch that. It's gonna, probably going to go for like $150,000. It's, you know, it's like one of the most iconic weapons in sci-fi history. And, you know, so I'm looking at our props, uh, you know, um, like fake weed. That, that <laughs> Here's some fake weed, guys. Um, GM smoked the real stuff. <laughs> yeah, a skull cap from his J outfit. And uh, I was like, wow, I mean, these are cool, too. 
but you know they had like decor- <laughs> these, these are cool too but so yes. did so the gun is is it did it go for that much did it sell it, have you been tracking it since then uh yeah i mean this is this is 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. so uh that gun went for a quarter of a million dollars it went for two somebody bought it for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. and you've been uh, eyeing it recently well, so this Japanese company called Tumino Suke uh-huh. has come out with a line of replica guns that they're amazing. They they're metal. They they I think they took the real one, disassembled it, molded each piece, whatever. Yeah, it, it looks like a real gun. And um, uh, yeah, there's this company selling them. They're 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 about a grand. They're oh, grand, no. but the light up LEDs. It's a pretty sweet piece. And I'm like, in in this time of pandemic. Uh, economic disaster. No one's making any money. Like, why do I want this thing so you gotta bad? Stimulate the economy by uh, you know helping Japan out. Yeah, I'm going through all <laughs> like, hey, you know, I, yeah, we gotta, you know, this will kickstart the economy. <laughs> USA, you know, it, it's sold through a U.S. redistributor. Oh, so yeah, there you go. That's really this is the absolute opposite of a totally local. <laughs> this is totally this not is, local. Exactly. He's going global <laughs> on this, well, and I'm like. Ming, we have to pay the rent this month. He's like, yeah, but I'm looking at this cool Decker gun. I'm like, Ming, they're they're shutting off the lights. Well, then I would turn on the little LED lights on the gun and we'd be fine. Like, most of Blade Runner is pretty dark anyways, so... There you, you go. Know. It's a whole new concept for podcasting. Unless we're going to, like, open up a noodle bar instead of a shared universe... Ming, get your head out of your ass. Yeah, did you notice that Tyrell Corporation wasn't really that well lit? So, and they they did all right. It's moody. It was very moody. You guys could be the oh. moody podcast studio. They, well, they were creepy too. I mean, they were making eyeballs in a in a lab. So, and, and he called himself father. So, I mean, and and that was James. Uh, it was James yeah. Wong. So yeah, it's like why is the guy? Why is the dude from Big Trouble in Little China like selling eyeballs? Oh my god, that's uh-huh. one of my favorite movie that's like up there i'd put it i i can't put it maybe i'd put it top top three top five but big trouble in china has a special place oh oh i thought you were talking about blade runner blade runner did poorly <laughs> at the box office by the way you know it only it only hit when it hit uh vhs did it become the the phenomenon that it it, it is actually there's so many there's so many there's so many movies like that where you go back and you look and people just like lambasted them and then you're just like wow you know uh like fight club did horrible um mm-hmm. you know and it took it took that second round of like getting out there to actually have people or hbo like growing up you know i had one of the uh remember the boxes the cable boxes sure. where it was like click 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 had the little wheel and you just, you know, I, I remember just watching HBO. Not my, my my parents were not paying attention, and I was just watching HBO just basically nonstop. You know, oh, you're not okay. Wow, perfect. <laughs> I turned out perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, I didn't realize where it affected me until my wife was ready to have our child, and she was showing me birth videos, and I was like, "That's disgusting! I can't watch that." And then I like remembered like watching like Rambo and Terminator as a child. I'm like, I could watch this stuff, but I can't see a little, you know, little natural gore coming coming out of people on Instagram. I mean, the most beautiful thing in the world. It is. It's, yeah. it's truly, uh, it's truly a spectacle. Um, There's but- a world difference between Arnold Schwarzenegger like taking his forearm off revealing a metal hand I mean no I've seen it up close it's really very similar I mean aside from the metal yeah yeah, child, yeah. Uh, yeah congratulations just had a kid uh, uh, 
for yeah, it. Congratulations, Andrew. Thank you very wow. much. Uh, I had uh, a guest on Ming knows uh, Jody. Our friend Jody was on last night. She kind of, well, she tricked me basically. She said, "Look." Me and my fiance, we're we're in we're quarantined. We just got engaged. You could ask us anything. I was like, anything? It's all on the table. She was like, yeah, sure. So we start talking, and I'm like, so you guys have any big fights? She's like, no, we're getting along. It was all like they're getting along. Everything's fine. And and somehow I I stretched it into you know I don't know how many people are gonna actually watch that one, but you know we we talked for a while. Luckily her her fiance is a dentist, so I had a lot of dental questions. So if you want any exciting dental talk, please refer back to the Jody episode. Isn't, isn't that like an oxymoron? <laughs> Exciting dental talk? I mean, that's what I'm all about, Mike. I like to combine, you know, two things that you might not think could go together. Excitement and dental talk, put them together. That's who I am. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're, amazing. Know, we're all fathers here. Mike, I assume you were in the delivery room when you had the kids came out? Uh, the second time around. First time around, they wouldn't let me. Really? But, uh, actually, we, yeah, it was, we almost lost my uh, first one. Oh, wow. Oh. Everything happened, but uh, every, everything happened well. Uh-huh. But uh, the cord got wrapped around uh, Mitch's neck. Wow. And every time my wife had a contraction, it cut off his airway yeah. so they went in and uh, we were going to do natural childbirth and they had to do an emergency c-section um, people like like jody was asking me because she just got engaged congratulations to jody and tom again but you know they're asking me about having a kid and i i didn't like i wasn't like my whole life i wasn't like i want to have a kid that's what i want to do because i'm like i'm kind of messed up i was raised by people that were <laughs> messed up i don't know if i can do this and I don't know if that's good for the environment, for, for overpopulation, whatever. But I married somebody, and I, and I love them, and they wanted a kid. So And I trust their judgment more than my own. So we have a kid. And she, Jody last night was asking me, like, you know, nobody's really giving us any pros. And I'm like, well, um, your life is over as you know it. You don't have any more time. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of terrifying when, when, when something's happening, an emergency and stuff. Um, and I couldn't. I was like, it's great. But I couldn't really give her any, like, I couldn't tell her any kind of cliched, like, you know, bullshit. You know, it's really tough, and you got to be in it to win it, basically, you know? Yeah, I mean, you'll hear the unconditional love and, and all that, but what it really boils down to, and this comes from the Chinese culture, hmm. you know, built in so, it's, it's built-in social security. Oh. When you get old, <laughs> your kids are supposed to take care of you. Oh, and, man. Uh, That's a good yeah. point. I need to have another, then. I need to have a couple. Well, I mean, um, it's a gamble, and, uh, you know, one of them's going to be like, you know, not as successful. No, no. Well, yeah. if you position yourself right, Andrew, you can uh, make them jockey for your love. So they fight to the death for your approval and love. Awesome. Especially if you're stingy with it. Nice. Just be stingy as hell with it and just dole it out in, in little like micro units. It's like, yeah, daddy loves you. Just, just don't say it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if this applied to you since um, this was all based on last year's taxes, but when they announced the stimulus plan, like me and Mike are five five in each other. We're like, yeah, man, extra great, extra, extra thousand bucks, 500 a kid. I finally, finally, you know, of course, that's just it's it's they're giving us money that we're going to have to pay later. So it's like, here you go. It's it, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So it's it's it's. I, I don't, it's not even mathematics. It's uh, like socialist, man, socialist addicts. I don't, I don't know. It's, See, it's nobody, nobody could really give, you know, nobody can say to you, you should have a kid because 
in, 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 it's just kind of this ethereal kind of, you either want to do it or you want to put up with it or you don't. But they were mentioning, they're like, you know, we like to go skiing and go to Atlantic City. And I'm like, well, you know, that's going to have to change if you, you know. Do you really want to be going? Like, no offense to Atlantic City and people that love going there. I love Atlantic City. But, like, how often are you going to be going to Atlantic City throughout your life, you know, uh, that often to where you don't have time for a child? I, I mean, I can't I can't tell them what to do. I mean, good luck, you know. But uh, I, I figure you can give up a couple trips to AC to have a, ch- have a kid. But Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, it was uh, my wife and I tried for three years after we were married and it looked like we weren't going to be able to have kids. And then, boom, it just it just happened. It just happened? Did you guys, yeah. like, did you read books and study, like, moon charts? And, you yeah, know, did you make her, like, do handstands, like, <laughs> upside down? And- Honest to God, my wife did all that stuff. I was just having, I, we were going, and my biggest fear was having to go to the doctor, to, like, the, the fertility clinic, and uh, masturbate into a cup. Yeah. Everyone knows what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, it's not like not like all guys don't masturbate anyway, but you know, it's like the the pressure's on. It's like here's a cup, here's a Victoria's Secret catalog. We'll see you in five minutes. It's like five minutes. <laughs> okay. Like, give me a time limit on this yeah. one? Yeah, no, give me one. I'll be out I'll, I'll be one and done in one minute, dude. Like <laughs> um, good for you, Ming. That's I mean to me it's I, I guess I have a, a shy urethra or something because <laughs> something shy down there because it's like really I'm, I mean I know how to do it but I, by the time I had to do that job. I had to go I had to get the you know the the test or whatever but thankfully you know it, it was you know not, nothing obviously I have a kid now so it's all working but uh, by the time I had to do it you had these take home tests you had a certain amount of time and then you have to you know do what you got to do into a little cup there and then you could uh, mail it in it's all kind of a blur but yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to just sit somewhere and have to like, you know. I, well, I didn't do it. I that was my biggest fear. But I mean, could you mail in like a sock or something, or like a, a wadded up they, like bunch of Kleenex? They give you. you it, they give yeah. you the device. They give you the containers now, and they they you know they give you the times and and uh, you know we had we had to you know I. I <laughs> They were, they were testing us. They were doing a lot of tests. They were testing okay. things. So Here's a question. Is it like a feed bag you put at the end of the, the horse? So, I mean, it was I, like a weird, it, it was like, well, I, I don't know if I, well, whatever. It was like a, it was like a little weird container. Come on. You know? Yeah. It was a little strange container. And then I didn't realize that the person, the, 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 uh, the, the company we were using, they were somewhat religious. It was some kind of religious tilted. I, I don't know why, but they gave me some kind of like, like, like love condom, some kind of like, here you go. You could, you could use this condom bag thing and then have sex and then use the bag. And I'm like, this is like, this is, this is making oh. me uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, I, I just, I'll use the cup. Just give me the cup. And then they, they made me, <laughs> you had to, for some reason they needed like a, a fecal sample. They wanted to test us. They wanted to make sure that like yeah yeah so what they give you is they give you i don't i don't know if i'm gonna ruin french fries for everybody but like you know those little like like paper cup containers you get like from windmill that have the fries in them yeah, the little boat yeah yeah well that's what they get they're like here catch it catch it in this you know so it was it was a then you have to take it there's like a stick you have to stick it in this tube you have to freeze it and then you have to mail it you know wow. 
but I felt I was like, look, I I feel good. I think I'm okay. And uh, you know, she, you know, Lauren really wanted to make sure that we had top billing. And then we went through all that, and then we just had a kid. So like, you know, obviously, oh. you know. Yeah, well, that's it. But are you sure they needed the poop? Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe it was just the doctors. Like, I've got a collection going. They so told me. They let's see what I can get off this guy. All I know is from it, I, I need to drink more kombucha. That's all the guy told me. He was like, you need more um, fermented foods in your diet, sauerkraut, things with a K. And I'm like, huh, that's what you got from my poop. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's what I learned. I, love your like, I, I eat Sour Patch Kids by the bag. I don't there know why go. that isn't working. <laughs> I don't know, doctor. Are you sure? Uh, it's not. It's not. Give me another, uh, give me another French fry container. I got to do this again. We got to retest it. Um well, well, it all worked out. You have a healthy, uh, healthy, happy uh, baby. Yeah. It's so funny how excited, you know, speaking, if, not, not that we can't get enough poop talk, but, like, it's so funny how excited you get. He, he was having, um, he had a tongue tie. I've talked about this before. He wasn't eating right, and we had to do these procedures, yada, yada, yada. And now, like, he's just a poop machine, and whenever he poops now, like, we just get suit. We're excited. We're high-fiving. You know, we're looking at him. We're congratulating him, and he's just, like, letting him rip. It's, it's you know, it's, it's nice to know that I'm not messing him up yet, you know, maybe later on in life. Uh, but Oh, know. there's no maybe, Andrew. You <laughs> will mess him up. It's, and it's one of the prerogatives of being a father. My children are, I they're they're looking at years of counseling. So. What do you do as far as like music preferences? Is there any way that you have maybe instilled in them some of the music you like, or is it automatic where whatever you're playing they don't like? Uh, let's see. Um, oh, Mike, uh, I don't know. I don't know. If I speak to uh, to Mike's taste in music per se, but <laughs> <laughs> like I think his taste in music already messes them up. Probably. It's, I'm, I'm a huge 80s guy. I love the 80s. I love a little little synth in my uh, my stuff going on. But right on. You know, my, uh, my youngest loves the 80s. Oh, there you go. He, he's like, this is this is great music. Uh, my oldest, he's uh, he's more into rap. He's more into a little bit of hip hop. So, uh, which is so you uh, like the other one better, basically, is what you're saying. So my youngest, yes, okay. of course. That's good. That's good. You pit them against each other, and uh, like I said, you jockey for the love. <laughs> got no respect for Ice T's body count, man. That's a good. That's, that's, come on, man. That's from the eighties. Come on, that was great. Yeah, cop killer. What? Uh, as far as comic book goes, comics, comic books go. Like, do your do your children like comic books? Uh, they don't hate them. They will read them. Uh, my oldest is reading uh, books of magic now. He's into the whole Constantine thing. Oh, but, cool. Um, they're not, they, they didn't pick up my love of it. Uh-huh. You know, it's, we're in a, a culture right now that um, the youngsters, it, it takes a special breed mm-hmm. to, to really like get captured by a, a two-dimensional flat image. You I, know? I loved comics as a kid so much that like I, I I couldn't read books like I didn't have the attention span I didn't give a crap about anything else I did direct order for my Wolverines and I know like Wolverine now is like you know everybody likes Wolverine the movies and stuff like that but but like when I would get those I would get so immersed in it like just kind of lose myself in it and just be gone for for however long I read it for you know uh, you know they, they eventually 
I got a little bitter after a while after I saw what they were doing with the, with the stories and stuff. I just I recently watched this Chris Claremont documentary that talks mm-hmm. about when like uh, like Lee Field came in and like kind of just like all that it was just oversaturation and just kind of messed the stories up and stuff it was kind of disappointing to read about that but yeah i actually uh claremont bitched a lot about it it's so funny uh he bitches about liefeld and and all those guys but uh burn bitches john burn uh-huh. who actually um because they were they were thinking about killing off wolverine or putting him out the pasture yeah they should have um well actually before he was popular oh really John Byrne brought him in and and kind of pushed him towards the center stage. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm Canadian. He's Canadian. Uh, Let's see what we can do with him. And, you know, made him this this mysterious guy. And Byrne was when Claremont made him a ninja and a samurai and like every other. I I don't know what the part of the Yakuza. He's like, no, he's like. (laughs) You pissed all over what I was trying to do, you dick. And I was like, "Wow, okay, yeah, yeah. You got it." I mean, I I loved all up until like I have I have the issues. I have the mini series, and then I have the issues mm-hmm. one to one hundred. Um, you know, I, I got really into it around like I think the thirties or the forties issues around there. Um, but you know, it, it's it. You know, I don't know. It, it was just it was just huge. Now, do you guys like? <laughs> it's I guess we're talking about comic books now, but do you guys like DC? Can you can you can you tell yourselves like are you a DC fan or a Marvel? As far as the comic books goes, like we don't even have to talk about the movies because whatever. But as far as the comic book goes, I never got into the DC universe versus like the Marvel superheroes. There's just something a little well. I mean, there's just a divergence of like how the characters are set up, you know. Where do you well, guys yeah, stand on that? Absolutely, I'm I'm a DC and a Marvel guy. I'm I love both equally because uh-huh. I, I learned how to read from from both. Uh-huh. You know, um, but I think what sets them apart is um, Stan Lee, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, and Don Heck, the artists and the writer. Mm-hmm. The artists were essentially the architects for the entire. Um, Marvel Universe, Jack Kirby, everything that was there came from Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. I put Jack in front of Stan because he was the visual guy. Mm-hmm. He would throw stuff out. Stan would put words to what Jack was putting on the page. And it took me two decades to realize what a genius Jack Kirby really was. And just the stuff that he would offhandedly throw out there like the black panther mm-hmm. yeah. and then black panther would i mean it took another bunch of decades for black panther to come in and be like a billion dollar franchise what? in the movie but in the comics you know he's he's still like very he's one of the the five smartest heroes in the, the marvel universe I, I couldn't after they started just messing with the whole I, I couldn't I can't you know I couldn't keep up with all of it there was just too much going on and I really it really started to bug me like the whole like I call it like the Simpsons effect where like the Simpsons family never like grew up grew old did anything like mm-hmm. with Marvel 
I mean, I guess with all of them, like you, 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 you know, you kill off Colossus and then you bring him back. Like you kill off the Phoenix and you bring her back. Like you, they were constantly bringing people back. And it was just after a while, even as a kid, I'm like, this doesn't, you know, they're going to kill him and then I'm going to read, you know, they're going to be back soon, soon. And that really kind of, I don't know, that kind of, that kind of made me jilted. You know, they're coming back. Yeah. Really wind out of your sails a little bit. Yeah, I, I got to be honest, when they killed Phoenix the very first time, when Jean Grey, you know, committed suicide on the moon, I was thir- 12, 13. And these guys made fun of me like nobody's business. But I actually cried. I'm like, I was invested like, in a character. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, I wasn't standing in the corner. <laughs> drunk, no. but, oh, you know, and people like looking at me from the lunch counter going, what the hell's up with that kid? Is he a, got a little bit of a problem? I was going to start with that. But... Um, yeah, and doing that kind of cheapens the entire effect. Mm-hmm. So, um, and even even more, uh, DC's done it with Superman, the death of Superman. Oh, man, that was like the biggest bullshit ever. And I'm not, I know Ming, you like Superman. I, you know, I don't know, Mike, how you feel. I, I'm not a fan of that Superman. Was marketing. That was all, I mean, brilliant marketing. It was for on sure. the news. Genius Ridiculous. marketing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there. Um, if you remember when you bought that, uh, that that's the Superman issue. It came in the black poly bag. Yeah, an armband in there. There's a obituary. I have like all those ran. I don't know. They they told. I was at the perfect age where they just totally suckered me. I have like all the X Force, all the thirty different versions mm-hmm. of, of uh, Spider Man with the hologram on the cover and the sealed bag. Oh, don't open the bag. You know, I'm buying these to read them. And like as a kid, I'm I'm torturing myself, like just leaving them in the friggin' bag. It's so stupid. Yeah, you're like the forty year old virgin. You're like you know how tough it is <laughs> to keep that in mint in box. Um, but uh, to your, your original question, DC has the icons. DC has Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. They're the icons. They're the, they're the art, uh, archetypes. Batman, I mean, Batman is like the, the saving grace to me for the universe. Like, such a cool, you know, always cool, like a cool story story arc. I just could right. never get behind, you know, Superman. He was just kind of nice, and he had all these powers, and then they just slap on another power, and he just could, you know, he was just kind of there, you know? Yeah, ventriloquism, who gives a rat's <laughs> Um So, yeah, obviously... He got, pets. he got pets. He gave him a horse. He gave him a cat. There's well, a- actually, Supergirl had the cat, but and Supergirl had the horse, and that was really creepy. And uh, I mean, you want to go like comics after dark? Her her horse Super turned Alec. into a dude. <laughs> her horse turned into a dude who's like, I really dig this Supergirl chick. Oh, and then man. when he's in horse mode, he's like, oh, she's rubbing up against my back, which is really, really creepy. That is super. It's so, a bunch of dudes sitting around like drawing and writing that out. Like this is a great idea. Like oh man. Yeah, these, these are guys who are like World War II vets or, you know, bringing back like Nazi skulls from the war. You know? Hey, let's talk about Supergirl. What are we going to do this month? Let's give her a horse with a real big cock. She can ride yeah. around, rub up on exactly. her. What do you think Fritz and they're making the, the skull talk? They're all drunk. Gobble, it's good. Oh, man. Yeah, that's basically where it all comes from. So thank thank you very much, uh, Comic Book World. I uh, speak And Hitler, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I was almost going to say thank you, uh, Mr. Adolf, but I didn't say that because I don't want there to be a soundbite somewhere of me saying that. Anyway, uh, so com- speaking of comic books, that's how obviously uh, you guys met. The, at that pool party, uh, I don't know, was it last year, I, I talked to Ming about his origin story as far as 
before working with Kevin Smith, you were working in. I mean, you were working in L.A. with with uh, Matt Damon on some crazy yeah, like and like, Ben Affleck. Yeah, they uh, they they hopped on the whole internet boom train back in uh, 1999, 2000, 2001. They had a uh, internet startup company called Live Planet, and uh, you may remember them. They produced a HBO TV show called Project Greenlight. Yeah, yeah. Very unique at the time because uh, um, it, it would uh, they they if you had a script if you consider yourself a, a filmmaker a script you know and and back then as as now everyone had a, everyone was trying to make a movie oh yeah they all got inspired by Kevin Smith and Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez so you could submit that script online to our website and then uh, someone randomly would get that script and they would review it and give it um, score on a number of criteria. And then that got whittled down to the top 10 rated scripts. And then that, that got whittled down to one final one uh, where the guy who wrote it uh, was going to get the mo- the money to make his movie and direct the movie. Did you work on like the web stuff with them? Like were you in charge of the website and stuff? Uh, I did the logo and uh, I helped. Uh, I did a lot of support as well. So nice. um, yeah. Did you ever read one of the scripts, Ming? Uh, I did. They were all terrible. <laughs> of course they were. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, you know where they got that idea from? The Twilight Zone. Because <laughs> the Twilight Zone, Rod Sterling invited America to send in uh, scripts for Twilight Zone episodes. And they got in, I think it was 900 scripts. Wow. And he's like, these, all 900 of them are terrible. You have those to be a certain... Stuck. You have to be a certain kind of person. You have to be ambitious. You don't have to be talented to submit something, to mail something. You just have to be like, think very highly of yourself, be very confident, which is not a bad thing necessarily. And you just have to know how a stamp works. And you could send in, you know, you send in. It doesn't necessarily mean you know what the hell you're doing, you know? Exactly. Well, I was going to say, you know, there's, yeah, there's a certain amount of arrogance in that and wanting to be president in the United States. Oh, yeah. You got to have it, though, to to do it. So, so, Ming, you were out. You were out there. um, You you moved. You moved from from Michigan to L.A. to go out to be out there to be with the stars to to see to see what it's all about. You're working with with Matt and uh, and and uh, his friend there. And uh, and and they came up with an idea to, like, hide things around the city that people could find or something. Oh, then- oh yeah. So the Project Greenlight was pretty much it was a pretty good success. Uh, if you go back and watch a show way ahead of its time. Yeah, it was on HBO. I, I remember it well. Yeah. And uh, the whole, uh, you know, they really wanted to do a thing where they would have a reality TV show and combine that with an Internet presence. Um, you know, something online. And this was before any kind of social media or anything. So I, you know, I, it was way ahead of its time. And um, I thought the TV show was great. They documented this kid trying to get this movie made. Once they picked the winner, uh, he got pep talks with Kevin Smith and ben, ben would show up every so often. And they would hook him up with some of the stars, uh, you know, the big stars, give him pep talks. And he made the movie, which wasn't great. Um, mainly for the fact that he, uh, just because you can write a decent script doesn't mean you can direct it. Yeah. So, so the next year, they actually split the contest up where uh, one guy would write the movie and then they would hire directors who could actually direct. And um, actually went three seasons. It wasn't bad. But, um, uh, you know, one of the other shows that was in development was called The Runner. And <laughs> it, was a, it was a scavenger hunt show where you would have two teams pitted against each other trying to find objects and clues around the country uh, to find an ultimate prize. 
which was, I was like a million bucks or something. So it was very like kind of amazing race before amazing race. It's still there. No one found it. Yeah. And, um, and all those guys got it in his uh, shopping cart. <laughs> yeah, but they had this whole thing where you would carry the, like, they look like, uh, they were like these little wrist things. It was almost like that, that laser tag from the, the late eighties where you could like eliminate the competition by finding them and shooting like a weird laser at them. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was a cool idea. Uh, but, um, but the worst thing that possibly could have happened to a show like that happened, which was nine 11. We're going to hide secret packages around right. the, around and the city. People were, yeah, were going to be searching for secret packages <laughs> no markings around, around major metropolitan cities. Yeah. That didn't work. So that kind of crumbled that whole thing. And that was a major tent pole. So Ben and Matt got that goodwill hunting money and they just went ape shit. They're like, we're going to have a bunch of crazy ideas. We're going to see what, what works basically. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, a, it was a fun year though. It was uh, as Matt and Ben and uh, one of the producers from American pie. Um, you know, there, there, it was an innovative idea. Just way, all this is way ahead of its time for sure. And um, I mean, that, that seems to, after, uh, you just, uh, you unearthed a, a, uh, or somebody unearthed and, and tagged you in it, uh, a, a paper that you wrote, uh, from, from your university days. So you've always been into kind of the, what's going to happen, what the future is going to hold. I mean, now here we are, we're doing this crazy stuff. There was pictures on that, uh, on that article that you had that, that you'd written of like these little grainy, like pixelated, like windows of people talking. I can only yeah, imagine. I, uh, back in college, taking an advanced communications class, I wrote a paper about the very first video conferencing application called CUCME. And the, the CU is the letter C and U is developed at Cornell University. And uh, I don't, I think I read an article in some geek magazine like Wired or whatever it was out back then. I saw this. I was like, holy crap, you can, you can chat with people and see them. And, and, and I was like, holy crap, I got to check this out. So I, uh, I installed it. I figured it out and um, I wrote a paper about it. But this was like, this is literally the 1996 version of Zoom. <laughs> black and white. And we are. You know, you're, I, you're like Nostradamus, man. You've, you've, you saw all this coming. Yeah. Nostradamus. <laughs> and um you know see how you can see you know this is full 30 frames per second motion yeah, yeah. like if you got two frames per second on that you were you were you were you were in business man <laughs> you were a badass with an awesome internet connection so do so you took you took your your love of all things media you 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 contacted uh ben and matt you were out in la doing fun stuff then the tragedy of 9-11 happened and everything kind of imploded and then kevin smith kind of convinced you you know where's a really great place to live new <laughs> jersey yeah uh, i've been doing stuff for him up until that point uh for about six years five or six years and uh, he had already moved. He was uh, he was shooting Jane and Bob Strike Back at the time, so he was out in L.A. And uh, you know he saw this happen. And uh, I literally emailed him the next day after it was after nine eleven. We all pretty much got laid off. Like uh, I think eighty percent of the staff got laid off because there were no more projects to work on. Yeah, had no purpose of being there. It was very much like it is now with the virus. Um, you know. Um, and I emailed Kevin. I was like, Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we're we're all getting laid off tomorrow. It, it stinks. Uh, um, you know, I think I was kind of like, Hey, can I put you down as a reference? Um, figuring if any company just called him up or was a fan, I would automatically get hired. Yeah. Of <laughs> course. Like, you know Why don't you come work full time for me? This is the way it was meant to be. Um, you've, you've done a lot for me 
the last five years. Um, a lot of it was, uh, you know, pro bono, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, did like a fan site, and that's how you guys kind of connected, which is good. I, I mean, that's how I, I started doing all the work that I do is just I do it for friends or, I'd, you know, I'd find something that somebody needed and I'd just do it and hope that it worked out. And sometimes yeah, somebody it did. Else, some big corporation, somebody with money sees it. It's like, oh, yeah. man, also want to hire him. He's like, all right. That, yeah, it, it usually uh, by helping people out, it leads to greater things. I um, hope so. It's almost... It, it it usually works out, and it, it definitely did in this case. Um, so you you um, you moved you moved to the Red Bank area, and you know I I remember going before before it was the stash. It used to be on um, White Street, I think, in Red Bank, and I used Mama to. Mama Street. It was a Mama Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on Mama Street, and I, I used to go to it when it was there. I'd take the bus uh, all the way to Red Bank, uh, and and I would go there, hang out. Um, I think I saw like you know Kevin Smith in there before, like buying uh, buying comics, um, and uh, so you know I'd, I'd go in there, you know, whatever, buy my comics, whatever. When when Kevin Smith took it over, I think I've told Ming this before. Um, Jay Jay Muse was working there, and he remembered my older brother from from when they they grew up together. They you know I'm from Highland, so they they knew each other. And he remembered my brother, and he somehow remembered me because I don't know. I was like I was a lot younger, but I was really into Magic: The Gathering cards, and and you guys didn't want anything to do with with the Devil cards. And he hooked me. He's like, "You're Jimmy's little brother," and he hooked me up. I would go back there. Like you guys had so many, I would buy whatever I could buy, and then I'd go back again and buy more whenever I could. Um, but I, I would imagine what 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 year did you kind of you went to Red Bank? that area like 2001 uh, there, 2002? Uh, 2002 like january like i got there like literally new year's day i think uh, 2002 so around would that be around the time uh mike where where you know fate would have it where you guys would meet like you were you were hired by walt flanagan to work at at the stash and right. and that's when you that's when you two met right no, actually, it was uh, I. I worked for the stash. Uh, Two thousand. Yeah, he hired me in uh, November of two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had been going to the store. I I was going when it was Comicsology. Yeah, and um, that guy, the the original Steve Dave, um, yeah, drove a lot of people away. <laughs> and he was he guy, was not very friendly. No, he was not terrible. <laughs> you remember him, right? Because uh, I, I, uh, I think I met him a handful of times. But Mike is like, he is the living embodiment of the comic book guy from the Simpsons. <laughs> he was, he, yes. He's. I saw him not six months ago. He's he's living in Thailand now. Oh wow! Yeah, living the good life all, off of all that comic book store money. Uh, I, I no. I think he's uh, selling pizza and teaching locals how to speak English. Oh. Well, there you go. That's good. Uh, I don't know if he speaks Taiwanese. It's, there's a whole story behind that. That's an entire other podcast. Oh. Just the origin of Steve Dave. But, um, <laughs> I might have to have you back on here to tell me that. There you are. Um, but the, the, um, so I started working at the stash. I was only working um, two Saturdays a month. And Why did Walt hire you originally? Did they need somebody in there? Because like, working in a comic yeah. book store was like, you know, from a kid, it's like such a dream. You're sitting there covered in comics, you know? Sure, that's exactly it. And, you know, uh, Walt and I had talked about it, you know, a lot. It's like, oh, you've got the dream job. He's like, yeah, you'd think so. But, 
you know, tried doing it for a time. I said, anytime you need help, you just ask me. And he's like, hey, Mike, I, I need a guy coming in two, two days out of the month. And I'd come in um, also to help him on Wednesdays when the new comics would come in. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd put him out. We'd do the poll for the, the reservists. And, you know, it was, it was a sweet gig. And um, I was transitioning out of being a chef. Where did you, where were you chef? Were you going to chef school or were you no, chefing? I, I, I had already been to Culinary Institute back in the 90s and um, I was working around and I, I kind of lost my passion for cooking for other people, you know, after getting it beat out of you. Yeah. That, that's what it does. It, that's it, what life does to you. Bitch out. What, are you from, are you from, are you from Monmouth County? Are you from the area? Yeah, I grew up in, grew up in Lincroft. Oh, right on. I'm down over from, from Red Bank. Perfect. And uh, so um, I was transitioning out. I was going to school at Brookdale um, and I've never not worked. I mean, since I was 15, I've never not held a job mm-hmm. except for those, you know, those times when you get your ass fired. Yeah. <laughs> you can't a job. But um, it's, it had been so long since I hadn't worked and I just kept working. Um, and Walt's, Walt said, um, you know, Brian needs some help up at the, um, up at the mail order arm of, uh, Jay and Silent Bob. So, you know, he's more than willing to, to give you a shot. And so I went and started working there and then nine 11 happened and it's sort of, um, it sucked because we were getting about, you know, a thousand orders a day. Mm-hmm. 9-11 happens and we we're down to like 50. Ugh. And it's like, uh, there's not enough work to keep you busy. Yeah. So Walt's like, I could use the help here. He's, he's like, you know, we're, we're starting to, to get busier and busier here. So we did. I started working down there. He picked up all the hours and uh, it, it turned into a full-time gig. That's something where, I mean, would you say, Mike, like, you know, I, in kindergarten, when they would be like, all right, draw a picture of what you want to do. And people were drawing like fire trucks, astronauts, doctors. I was like, I just drew a big question. I was like, I don't know what I want. I'm in fucking kindergarten. I have no idea what I want. Did you have like a passion to cook? Did you have a passion for comics? Like growing up, was there something specific you wanted to do? No, I don't really know. Yeah, same I, boat, huh? Same when, boat. When I was a kid, I wanted to, hey, who didn't want to be Batman? I wanted to be Batman. <laughs> well, that was the picture I would draw. I was like Batman. I am. And uh, I, I thought about going to, you know, um, I, I thought about becoming a private detective. I thought about oh, becoming. Man. That would be, Ming and Mike, a shared universe detective agency. How cool would that Podcast be? Podcast studio I, by day, detective agency by night. There's so many I, different I, ways you can go with that. Agency since Baywatch Nights, for sure. <laughs> there you definitely, go. Definitely. Ming, you dress up like Magnum. I'll dress up like Indiana Jones. We'll be Chippendales. There you go. Perfect. Tiger's head. Uh, and a Hawaiian shirt laying around for sure. Okay. So, so uh, where did you guys, where did, where did, where did Ming and Mike finally like see each other? And was it instant, like an instantaneous romance and love or how did that go down? <laughs> uh, it was, you tell the story, Ming. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we met because uh, before I moved there, I would, I would, you know, I would stop by the office whenever I was in town. Um, my wife's parents lived in Middletown. Mm. So, uh, and then Kevin would hold very, a lot of uh, events, like all-day film festivals, things like that. So I would stop ever. So I'm sure I saw you up in the uh, the office uh, packing boxes at some point. 
Yeah, uh, and then when, I, yeah, and then when I moved up here full time, uh, I would be I would stop in the store at least once a day. So um, yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah, I think we hit it up pretty immediately. We're in this into the same stuff, and uh, Mike Mike is a very nice guy. He's very uh, very good at making conversation. Um, it, no matter how inane, <laughs> it, it's, and it's it is inane, Andrew. <laughs> what yeah. what uh like when 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 the podcasting idea was introduced? I remember like I remember being at school out of state and like listening to 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 Kevin Smith's podcast and Walt Flanagan was on it and he's got a very distinctive voice. So then when I came back home and I went into the stash and I like bought a comic and I heard, I'm like oh. Dude, you, you're you're Wolf. Holy shit! Like, what's and he seemed so disinterested and relo- like whatever. Like, didn't give a shit about it. Like, when you guys started doing the podcast, like, how, how did you guys just feel it was like a like a side thing? Did you think it would like kind of turn into what it turned into? No, it. Uh, we were more or less forced together by Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, more or less forced together first off by Brian and Walt, who thought it'd be fun to watch us like crash and burn. <laughs> That's great. So like, let's see what these guys. Yeah, I think they're so full of themselves that, uh, you know, they launched a fairly successful podcast, but they're, they've, I, I, I feel uh, they've always had like, well, no one can do it as good as we can. So uh, and, and let's let's see these two idiots try. Let's see what they let's see them try and then fail and then fail miserably so we can laugh at them. <laughs> I think that's what we were, they were trying to set up and it but, didn't happen. It, it, yeah. You guys were, did swimmingly and uh, you know, that all, they were wrong basically to, to everyone's, you know, betterment. It, they were all, you know, they were all incorrect as far as that was concerned. So that's cool. And that's when Kevin got involved. He's like, Hey, I, we got your numbers for the, uh, the podcast. You did all right. So now you got your own podcast. We're like, wait, what? Yeah. He was like, <laughs> right, I, I, I heard you guys talking about comics on a, on a podcast. I want you to start a comic book podcast. We're, we're like, wait, wait, what? Like no, we were now, that was a one-time thing, man. We don't, we don't know. Oh. It's like no, no, no. You got to do it, and uh, so you guys weren't like you weren't playing like you weren't like no. oh boy, you were just like together and be like, hey man, we should start a podcast. Inevitably, it probably would have happened, but um, I, but who knows? Uh, I, I, Kevin's just one of those guys you don't say no to. I mean, especially, yeah, you can't say no to Kevin, especially when he's signing your paychecks. But even if he wasn't, um, you know, he he would be like, hey man, I want you to build a rocket ship to the moon out of long boxes. And pack if you it. said no, what does he, what does he, does he, does he like brandish a knife? Does he look at you threateningly or how does he, does he buy you sweets? How does he, oh, you're, you, if you, you don't want to disappoint Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, I think you just don't say no. I don't think I've ever said no to him for better or worse. There are a couple of times I probably should have, uh-huh. but, but uh, there's only one time I've ever said no to Kevin Smith. He offered, uh, he was opening up the stash in Hollywood, mm-hmm. or Hollywood in uh, Westwood, California. And he said, I want you to go out there and manage it. I want you to be my Walt Flanagan out on the West Coast. And I'm like, I can't. I just bought my house. I just had a baby. It's, yeah, this is not the good, it's not a good time. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I, I can respect that. That's cool. Oh, wow. So, so the only time I've ever said no to Kevin Smith, you play the baby card. You look, I have a baby. I can't go. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. And see, started paying off almost immediately. <laughs> 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 that store would have been open still. If you, if you went out there, and uh, I don't know. I've, I've heard horror stories about some of the stuff that went on out there. So. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. But I was like, man, you could have been the freaking like, yeah, you could have been, 
you could have ruled the West Coast, man. No, there were there were fingers in pies that I didn't want dangling. It's weird out there. Yes, and it's so funny too because, like, you think about you know I, when I when I moved away and then I moved back, I was so. You know, when I when I lived outside of the state, people thought I was a loud, obnoxious, you know, disrespectful, rude, and it might have not all been true. It might have been absolutely true, but when you're in New Jersey, like everyone is like the t- every tide, you know, rises all boats or whatever it's called, like everybody's loud. So everyone's not technically loud, you know, and people aren't rude. They just tell you, you know, they want to cut the shit and get to the point. So uh, it's it's amazing how I don't know. In New Jersey, the weather's miserable. Uh, a lot of people are miserable. Sometimes, you know, you get your summers and stuff. But I, I've, I, I don't know. I feel so comfortable here. I mean, that's why I love. That's why I love the show. I love Monmouth and Ocean County. Um, and, uh, when I was in LA, and Ken was like, "Hey, I want to, you know, why don't you come work full time?" Um, just one thing: you gotta move to New Jersey. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like looking around at the palm trees. It's all sunny and girls with big fake boobs bouncing around. And you're like, all right, that was that was part of it. And uh, you know, I, I, listen, LA's LA's fun. And you know, I was I was single. I was engaged, but you know, I I wasn't really didn't have. I was single at the time. They were paying me pretty well. Um, I think that's the only way you can survive in LA. And all of a sudden, the money was gone. So, but I was like New Jersey. I was like, can I? You know, I, I, I saw clerks, man. I know what happens over there. <laughs> it's all true. Drug dealers hanging out in front of convenience stores. Um, but, uh, yeah, I came here, and uh, I, I I had one bite of East Coast pizza Boom. and the bagels, and I was like, all right, I can do this. Can yeah, and not only that, but Ming, there are homeless people hanging outside of convenience stores <laughs> in L.A. probably selling drugs. Yeah, so drugs for you. Yeah. Yeah, but there was a little hesitation. I was like, New Jersey? I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. It, it seemed fine to visit, and Mom, the county seemed pretty pretty cool, but I don't live there. I don't know. You, but it, it, uh, it all worked out. It was literally almost 20 years ago, and I love it here. It's great. Well, I'm glad you made it, Ming. You're, you're one of the most positive people I've ever met. Uh, Mike, you know, I, I know Ming. Uh, he, Ming knows my, my wife, knew her for years, and, and introduced me to Ming, and that's kind of, you know, how, how we got connected. Um, and you've just always been a super, you're just a very, you know, some people, you know, you, you meet some people and you can kind of get a read on them, but Ming is like a man of mystery. Like, you, you're very positive, personable, and friendly, and you're like, what is, what's, what's going on here? Is this some kind of grifter? What's like, he yeah. Where are the bodies buried? Yeah, exactly. But uh, so far, no bodies. So uh, everything's I hide out. them well. What can I say? Uh, yeah. I'd be a bad con artist, so I was like, "Hey, man, like, let's have fun. Like, how do you like to have fun? Let's do it, man." You yeah. Wanna- well, and then the so I mean, as far as get as far as the whole AMC thing and being on TV, you guys sound like kind of like you didn't not that you didn't care, but it was kind of like a reluctant like you guys were just put in a position, and it was just like, all right, well, this isn't isn't bad you know some people would be like you know they have their <laughs> i i've met people i have i have friends who have tried to do like reality shows and put it all together and and you know things got you know shot to shit down but you guys kind of just kind of fell fell into it it seems like is that a good assertion of the situation that's a perfect we're the kramers of life in that respect <laughs> You know, we fell ass backwards into a reality show. And there's, and I can point people out who weren't as successful as we were because we weren't chasing after it. Yeah. I suppose because it's like the rabbit on the, um, at the dog track. 
you know, the faster the dogs run, the you know, they speed the rabbit up. Yeah. We weren't chasing it. This wasn't a dream. I, I mean, every, what kid doesn't dream of, like, being on TV as a kid? You know, even growing up and, and being an adult, I mean, it's cool, but it, it wasn't the be-all, end-all. Uh-huh. So the, and there were there were stories we wanted to tell, and I think that that we told most of them. We had a, we had a lot more to tell, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think it was cool because it was unlike other reality. You guys were just kind of hanging out and you know uh, busting Ming's balls relentlessly, but like just hanging out. And it just kind of came across. I mean, the same reason I think people like listening to podcasts. It's just people shooting the shit. That's kind of what the show was about, you know. Um, obviously, you were setting up certain things, so like there was a, you know, there was a <laughs> some kind of arc in in the episodes. But like, you know, it's it, the fun parts for me from watching it was just you guys like shooting the shit or busting balls on each other, you know. So pretty much. Uh, and as Andrew, we we weren't going for like the MacGyver esque columbo twists and turns we you know we we needed to get somewhere we got there and, and in in this the shortest line possible i mean and i i think just just seeing spots in new jersey that's i don't know that's fun for me pointing stuff out like i i lived in albuquerque so all the shows that you see that are in out you know it's fun to see like oh i i know that like building whatever so that kind of stuff was fun for me i mean so with, with all that in mind and what what you guys you know kind of did with that uh was it was it weird at first or were, were people were people like coming up to you and like pointing pointing at you and stuff like like look it's that guy like were people doing stuff like that to you like in in this at the stash and red bank were people just coming in and giggling and running out or um i think like uh the first couple of days of shooting was kind of weird having a camera around and um you know there i guess there was a, i felt a little pressure of like oh man this is like real this is real. Like they're going to put this on TV and we were all, so I think we were all pretty much suffering from imposter syndrome anyways. Like, what do we do? Why, why us? Uh-huh. Nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see us talking about star Wars and flux capacitors and, and freaking Gandalf. Like nobody cares about this. And we're all old too. <laughs> the opposite of a reality star. They're like these guys. Perfect. Right. You know, up until then it was like snooky. It was like, do I, am I, do I have to get punched? I don't want to get punched. <laughs> yeah. oh, in account and, and the stash I, I don't want to you know do like what what do we have to do to you know do we have to amp it amp it up you know and they were like no 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 just be yourselves and uh yeah after after a couple of days like the cameras didn't really didn't really bother me and then we became friends with the uh, the whole crew to the fact like we became like really really we started hanging out with them like even after the the show was over so did it ever? Did it ever get in the way of like your guys? Like, I guess you had you guys had like a normal life at that point. Yeah. Did it get in the way of the day to day like minutia of what you normally would be doing, like getting ready for this stuff or having a light on you and stuff like that? Um, I mean, we kept the store open, so we would let people in between like scenes and stuff. So um, I think for Mike, like he had to scramble to get books together, especially like Wednesdays, like pulling comics for reservists and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, his day got a little longer because they had to they had to work too. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ming was just the- strolling in with his like you know pipe and his his velvet garage, <laughs> his trailer yeah, and shit. More or less, but I I don't like we've never been to that point where we've been mobbed or anything. Um, I mean, at Comic Cons we get recognized, which was good because we were always like, if we don't get re- if we go to Comic Con, <laughs> we don't get recognized, it's over. Yeah, and 
no one's watching the show. No one cares anymore. Yeah, and that's our. Those are our people. Yeah. Those, are the, those are the core fans. So. Did the cons like did were the were the comic cons like uh, like the conventions like coming up to you guys and just like after the show like the first what, did it take like a season before uh, people? Yeah, a couple seasons till we and we had to figure out what the hell we were doing to it. And again, we were like, why are why are you inviting us? Like, why they're like, well, uh, you can go and meet people. You can sell your autograph and like, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want from me? Take selfies with them. I'm like, no one's gonna want that. Like, who, who the hell would want would pay for an autograph? We were so like out of it, and we had no idea. So it was a slow process, but um, yeah, eventually, uh, yeah, a lot of cons would just contact us and be like, hey. You know, you want to come to Chicago? You want to go to you want to go to L.A. and it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Ming, you're 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 a very social social person, sociable. You go out, you meet people. Mike, did you have the same experience as as far as like I see Ming out? And no offense, Mike. I mean, you know, you you don't. I don't. I don't. I see you. You know, you supported Epic Shouts to uh, call on the shot, call on the shots, guys. Uh, Taylor and Steve, you you know, you were there supporting their stuff. Um, but it's not like you're. You know, I don't know you, obviously, uh, Mike, but like it doesn't seem like you enjoy the boogie that you enjoy the nightlife. Oh, no, that's that's so not true. I do. I I, I love the boogie. I love the nightlife. Oh, OK, um, actually, um, Ming is the uh, the face of a shared universe. Um, it, I still work at the stash. So, it, you know, way back when it was decided uh, when we we opened up that Ming would do the day to day, I would come in and backstop him and, you know, do the, the stuff that we needed to do. But, um, you know, it's uh, he's he's the guy he's he is the the bon vivant of the con circuit. He's the, he is with his snifter of brandy and his smoking jacket wandering around like, uh, you know, uh, leisure suit Larry, you know, just, <laughs> Hey, how are we doing over here? Everybody having fun and you can't help, but like me. Yeah. It's impossible not to like me, not to, to unless you're a, a complete sociopath. And <laughs> if you're like, you know, some guys listening to this podcast going like, I don't like Ming. Am I a sociopath? <laughs> you are, yes, sir. you are. You're, yeah. you're an absolute sociopath <laughs> if you don't like Ming. Ming is is eminently likable. And when we go to cons, we have a blast. We go out. Um, I don't drink. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another thing. I mean, not that I won't go to a bar or if I have a reason to be at a bar, I'm, I'm there. Um, but Man. I'm. I don't stay out real late anymore. Yeah. I'm old and I'm used up. No, I'm not. I'm, I don't feel, I feel like my like 20 year old self still, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, we're starting to slow down. I, I, after the, uh, after the last super duper bowl, uh, <laughs> a bunch of people went over to uh brick wall, uh, annex, like, and we're hanging out and I had to follow uh legendary, uh, comic, uh, Angelo Gingerelli. Cause he's, He's, he was my responsible uh, lifeline because I, you know, basically, you know, just had a kid. My wife let me out and everyone was having fun and chilling. And I was just like, oh, this is great. But I was like, Angela, what, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm going to go. You know, he's gonna, he had like a tight, a set time. He was going to go. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to tether myself to you and just follow. You're responsible. I'll do what you're, what you're doing. But it was like. It was really interesting to see because everybody, you know, after that was just having a great, 
great time. Taylor was probably having the best time, but you know, surprised he could he could stand up. Oh man, I uh, I had him on one of these after hour pie. Him and his wife were on the podcast, and he was like, he, he was he apologized the next day. He's like, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, you know, Laura said I wasn't that bad, but I, I don't remember a couple things. And blah, blah. I was like, no, you were great. You were definitely hammered, but you know, you were home, so it was very <laughs> safe. Um, you know, but yeah. uh, that was a long day. We had started uh, we'd started um, podcasting at Johnny Max that morning with their like yeah. bottom like three dollar mimosas and like free. Oh my god! Yeah. Podcasting, yeah. Not, not serving up troughs of drink. <laughs> What? I, I, every, it's so funny. Like the tour, like Taylor is the quintessential, like tortured artist. Like he, I, I have, I have a hundred percent faith in the super duper bowl. It's not gonna, from, from planning events and doing events and getting my hopes up and having my, my hopes just torn to pieces. I know that consistency is the key. If anything, it might work. It might not, but you gotta be consistent. And I really feel like the super duper bowl in some incarnation or another needs to happen every single year. You know, I, so, I don't I, know anybody else who's even attempted anything like that. Yeah. And here it's more fun than the last. So, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's every every time I see him, I give him a pep talk. I'm like, you got You got to do it again because people, I don't know, people love it. Um, but he's like, Andrew, but I, I'm thirty thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's killing me. You could you could have it. You know, just tell him you could have it in my garage. You know, wherever you need to have it. That's totally fine. Doesn't Yo, need to be. You know, a big thing. He had wanted to live stream like a telethon to raise because I think they owed the House of Independence a, a couple bucks, and uh, we were gonna set him and Steve Arena up on the boardwalk and live stream it. And I think our idea was like, if you donate like twenty five dollars. Then uh, we'll make them eat anything. You know? uh, yeah, they should definitely. If if I knew that, I mean, I've done that with friends where we, we <laughs> me and my friends, uh, we used to do these winter solstice parties. Epic shouts to my friend Steve Mitchell. He used to throw these parties at his house, and it got big to the point where one year, and he's very analytical, and he he he, you know, makes sure everything is done correctly. This was like right around. I mean, social media was kind of getting big. Facebook was like you know out in everyone's hands. Uh, everybody had a mobile phone. I forget what year it was. It was you know whatever how many years ten years ago. Um, and he he actually he was like you know this party's getting kind of big so he rented the Red Bank Marina like boathouse like this this wow. beautiful yeah I don't know what what they were thinking because we were a bunch of like smelly hippies I was DJing at the time I brought my sound system in and it just like it just turned into this like ridiculous. You know, one person tells another person. There were there was like my babysitter from Highlands was there. Like there were all these random people showing up. That like how the hell did it? And you know, so uh, you know, y- you never know how those things are actually going to play out. But the point of my story was was that I, I you know people all chipped in money. If if it takes if it takes a fun like a telethon or something next year to raise money to do the Super Duper Bowl, yeah. I definitely want to be a part of that because it needs to happen. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and did it, did that party spill out into Marine Park? Sounds it, like it did. It it got outside. It got it, it was the, the 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 saving grace was that we were kind of buffered. Like there was a big fence around it and you mm-hmm. could close the fence so like, you know, nobody could really get in and there wasn't any real houses around there. And it just got it was it was it was it was really it got it got insane. It got to be a pretty crazy party. You can't really like I don't know, in this day and age, you can't really do stuff like that because eventually it just kind of gets too 
too out there, you know, too crazy and, and too yeah, out of hand. But live stream it like it's on social media. Yeah, you guys shut down a lot quicker these days. Oh, uh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Especially in Red Bank, he had he had insurance. It was we, there was kegs, insurance, all kinds of you know. The best part was the potluck. People brought food, whatnot. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, super duper ball definitely has to happen again. Epic shouts to Taylor. Um, as far as a shared universe podcast studio, uh, and let me know if you guys got to jump off. But I, I just want to talk about you know you guys went from the show and you had this idea that you know uh, you know clowns like me like want to have a podcast and you guys had a studio to 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 kind of house that like what what was like the impetus to kind of get that kind of started uh i mean it was born from a number of things uh one if you watch the tv show we're we're seeing podcasting we innovated we were the first tv show or movie or anything to show podcasting in any form like to show the actual equipment that people were using to actually get it done yeah, I, yeah. If you go back to when we premiered in 2012, yeah, there was no depiction of podcasting anywhere. There was yeah. no advertising. There's nothing on TV, and they never mentioned them in movies. The only guy talking about it was Kevin, um, and uh, when he was doing interviews and about how much fun he was having, but no one really knew what it was. So, um, so from that, we were known as podcasters. So people could be like, "Hey, what? what are, what's with the talking to the mics around the poker table? They were we're podcasting." I was like, oh, that sounds, that looks like fun. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah. And then we would tell them. Um, the other part was uh, we would, uh, you know, through our own podcasting, our own show, the I Saw Comics and uh, the Ming and Mike show, uh, we would go to Comic-Cons and people would approach us either there or they would come in the store and be like, hey, I love the podcast. I want to start one. How do I do it? And as you know, we would give them like a 10-minute lesson. Yeah. But as you know, that's not nearly enough, so... Part of that was like, man, what if we had like a what if we had like a classroom or something or like a studio where we could teach people to podcast Our clubhouse, yes, and uh, give them a proper, you know, like at least an hour, at least an hour, maybe two hours, and uh, teach them how to podcast, like re- show them and record a podcast with them. So by the time they walked out the door, they would actually have a recorded episode. Like how how cool would that be? Like how cool would that have been if we had that back in two thousand eleven? Oh yeah. I mean, that's what people would ask me. They're like, well, you have a podcast. Why are you going into the studio? I'm like, because I don't want to, I don't want to do, I want to go in somewhere, sit down and then get the, like, have it all done, sit down, hit record and then, then bounce, like get out, you know, I don't want to have to like deal with all the equipment and this stuff. You know, obviously I've made do with what I have here, but I can't wait to get back into that environment. You know, it's just so much gear, nicer. You know the gear. So, uh, you know, I, I love you because you don't, have, I don't worry about you. You know, I, I know just, you Set it, forget it. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. It's plug and play. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know it. You know, you guys need to like write a textbook or have like online courses or something where you're just going through like because people started asking me too. They're like, "Well, how do you have it set up?" And then they're arguing with me. I'm like, "Well, you don't have." I'm like, "Look, man, this is how I have it set up. It's 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 based on what Ming had set up, and then I kind of tweaked it to whatever you know I felt was was necessary." Yeah, I love it. They're like, "Hey, send me a list." So I'll send them a list. Or I go, "What do I? Do? I bought it. What do I do?" <laughs> <laughs> like how i'm like i'm listen i got enough to do all right like even if you wanted to pay me to come down and set it up i don't have time so figure it out and then if you run into problems you know come come back but i <laughs> yeah and uh yeah so that's the nice part about the studio if everything's set up um you want to start a podcast you just come in and record and we take care of everything else and that's uh cool. and andrew one of the best things one of the best questions we get is like how do you monetize our podcast. And, and you know what I tell them? Remember that all that fancy equipment that you just bought? 
Sell it. Yeah. Put it on your back. <laughs> There's no monetization podcast. There's like, no monetization. You're not doing this because you love it. Yeah. And you're not. I mean, our our rates are are ridiculous anyway. Yeah. Um. So you come in, you get to hang out, you get to drink Ming's booze. Uh, oh man! When, when we have beer there, you get to drink our beer, and you know you you sit back, you kick back with your uh, your friends and co-hosts, and you talk for an hour, and that's that's essentially what you do, and that's I mean that's all we ever wanted to do was was make it that easy for people. Yeah, I mean in in the end, uh, you know, I, you have fun doing this with Leo. Hell yeah. You have fun doing this at night. You've had uh, I miss Leo. He he won't he doesn't want to he's quarantining himself so he won't yeah. he won't do this necessarily. But you're not doing this cuz you know for your health. You're doing this cuz this is awesome. This is fun. I lo- I can't I don't know if you guys can tell but I like to talk. I could talk yeah. for a very long time and you could put me in front of anybody. You could put me in front of a dentist and I'll have some something yep. to talk about with a dentist, you know. Um, yeah. And I felt like in the area, I was just like, well, to me, you know, people focus on topics, which is great. But I wanted to focus on I don't know if there's some kind of weird uh, vortex in the area that makes people, you know, the way they are. But, you know, there's a lot of flavor going on in the Monmouth and Ocean County region. Leo is really against he's like, why do you have Ocean County? And I'm like, because Ocean County is like the Keensburg of Monmouth County. You know, it's like it's like you need Ocean County there. It's on the come up and people basically can't afford to live in Monmouth County and they're all going into Ocean County. So Monmouth County is the torso and Ocean County is the adult diaper. (laughs) That's perfect. That's exactly right. And I I didn't know there was people down there doing things and I've met a lot of people. I'm glad I have it on the logo. Like I love Ocean County. I've been down there. Tom's River, lovely place. So (laughs) people down there doing things like making meth (laughs) They're cooking it. They're selling it. They're yeah, yelling at each other. Smoking it. Yeah. Um, I think in the end, we were like, "This is so much fun." Like, surely we're not the. We can't be the only ones having this much fun. Like, mm-hmm. can we show other people how much fun this is? Um, this is kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a new thing that you discover. It's like, holy crap, this is awesome! Like, everyone should be doing this. Well, and- I I agree, and I I want to if it's if it's okay with you guys, you know, when, when all this stuff clears up, I really want to do. My, my main goal, a psychic once told me on the um, Ocean City, New Jersey boardwalk that I would be a talk show host or a game show host. So what I really want to do is is do the Totally Local After Dark. I, I want to have a talk show set up. I want to have my favorite guests, you know, in, in, in the room next door and then just bring a guest out and just, just do, do an episode like that. And basically that will allow me to interview people I love and then also drink with my friends at the same time. So. Yeah, you can do all of that. Uh, I don't even know if you've seen our fifth floor yet. Yeah, I saw the fifth floor. Remember, uh, me and the me and the boys from the Simmons and Moore uh, podcast were up there, and then we saw the roof. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so killer, man. I'm, I was like, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 finally, you know, getting in there because if you're gonna keep buying, you know, guns from like sci-fi movies and stuff, there was no room left. In the in the one, so we were kind of just sitting there between all the packaging. Closing, yeah. We didn't want to we didn't want to mess any of it up. So now you you know you definitely have a lot more room in there. So and it's 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 uh, Eatontown, centrally centrally located. You know, right right on thirty six. So it's a perfect. You're like almost in the middle of your totally local map, which is awesome. Well, uh, guys, we 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 I don't know. I think we covered a lot of stuff here. 
We did. We did. And and we could go for another eight hours. But I, uh, yeah, I could. I, I could. Listen, I, I love that you kept going. Um, you know, I no seriously. I think uh, all the podcasters that have kept going through all of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, deserve a big shout out, and uh, you know they're they've been very inspiring. Um, a lot of them could have been like, eh, you know, I'll, I, I I don't I don't want to mess with it. I'll do it when I get back. Or the uh, I'm sure there's some podcasts that have given up, you know, uh, sadly because of all this. this and is- maybe they'll come back later, but it's- um. I- don't ever, yeah, don't, if you love doing it, then you should do it, yeah. and consistency is the key. I was actually talking to somebody today, you know, they were doing a podcast with their cousin or something, they're like, oh, we gotta have five episodes done before we put it out, and I'm like, don't be an asshole, just put them out. The ones that you're doing now are gonna teach you how to do better ones in the future. If you look back on people doing podcasts, I, I, I love watching, like, uh, say, like a, like a Gary Vaynerchuk, or like, a, you know, a Joe Rogan. If you go back, because I would go back and be like, I wonder what their first podcasts look like and they're not very good quality but that's how you learn how to get better don't like save up five episodes and then release i hear that more so than than anything else as far as when people are making podcasts like oh we're recording them but we haven't released them yet and i'm like what what is this what are you you two like what do you mean you're not releasing them yet like yeah right yeah and then you know finally put them on that first episode like man what so how about this virus i hear there's a virus coming up (laughs) uh you think it's as bad as they say it's going to be? It's like, no, man, that's all. That's fine. Man. Like, it's so dated. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, right. wait till Hillary's got elected president. It's going to be great. Oh, boy, man, I hope Trump doesn't get elected. Imagine yeah. a vice president. And, and we have friends who have recorded stuff that far back and they haven't released it. Oh, man. <laughs> That sh- that stuff should be like edited, cut together, and like a best of of like the archives, you know, yeah. what never like, made it. lost episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, doing this, it does, it does. I, I like sitting down with people person to person. Um, oh, but that. doing this has given me something more to do. It's given people, you know, kind of an outlet. And I've actually talked to local businesses. You know, people might not want to hear about like mold remediation and cleaning up a, a building for like getting ready for like COVID cleanliness and stuff. But I talked to a dude from ServePro today from oh. Eatontown Long Branch. It's ServePro in too, and they were great. I was yeah. like, holy crap. Like, if, uh, they, I mean, they, they had stories, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I started getting into, I didn't want to put the guy on the spot, but at the end they have, he had a, uh, you know, in his, his website bio, they were talking about like biohazardous material and stuff like that. And I was like, so you have, you've seen some gross stuff like dead, like I didn't say dead bodies, but I basically said like dead bodies, like all mangled and shit. It was like the daytime, totally local. So I didn't want to like, you know, upset the kids. Um, but he was, he was kind of getting into a little detail. He wouldn't go too far into it, but like he must've seen like decapitated hookers that shit their pants. They've been sitting there for two days, you know, maggots, like all this stuff, Uh, man. I was asking him, I'm like, did you ever like throw up in your suit or like have to slap a rookie and be like, get yourself together, man. He's like, we, we don't take rookies on those, those kind of jobs. I'm like, oh, oh. God. <laughs> is that serve pro Kingsburg? <laughs> Eating town long ranch, man. But still, right. you know, they serve Kingsburg. That's probably where they found all the bodies. But, <laughs> That's what I'm asking. We got to find a new body dump. <laughs> that doesn't happen here, man. Yeah. Take that. Take that to Kingsburg, man. Leave it in Kingsburg. Oh <laughs> man. Well, I mean, it was it was it was great it was really great talking to you guys yeah, thank um, you you know I, I i really like to get into you know it's 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 cool to check in on people and how they're doing and all that stuff but i really like to learn about like the origin story where they started how they met stuff like that so i appreciate you guys telling me you know sure, sure, 
true comic books fan then because <laughs> uh, those are the best stories, man. Hell yeah. Um, all right. So I didn't tell you guys this before, and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But when I play the outro music, if you could just give me a little finger guns or a little dance, don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to take any clothes off or anything like that. But when the music comes on, just give me a dance for five seconds. I have everybody do it. You know, you don't have to go crazy, but I would, I would really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you guys uh, spending the time. A shared universe podcast studio, Ming Chen. Michael Zapsik, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. I can't wait to get back in there and, uh, you know, get back into it. This has been Totally Local, Totally Local Podcast After Dark. Please check me out. Totally underscore local podcast on Instagram. Totally local podcast.com. And uh, check me out on Facebook. You're here. Thanks a lot, guys. 